630 Chad presents the Elks this week. A close-up look at the Elks and the Canadian Football League. Every week, we take you inside the game from the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. Here's Morley Scott. For the 12th time in history, the Calgary Stampeders have swept the Elks in the Labor Day series. 56-28, to 28, the final score in the Labor Day rematch. I'm embarrassed for our organization. I'm embarrassed for our coaching staff. I'm embarrassed for our players. Um, you know, at halftime, I mean, we still had an opportunity, um, and then we did not give ourselves an opportunity to do anything in second half. We've got to look at the things and evaluate tomorrow the things that we did well and the people that played well and the people that want to be here and that want to play extremely hard for the for the organization for their teammates for the city uh, and we'll find out exactly who wants to be here and who doesn't some harsh words from head coach and general manager chris jones of the edmonton elks after saturday night's big loss to the calgary stampeders on the brickfield at commonwealth stadium good evening everybody and welcome to the show for this week we're going to dissect that loss a little bit tonight we're also uh, going to check in with a tsn sideline reporter sarah orleski i guess former tsn sideline reporter sarah orleski uh, she's leaving that job for a job with the winnipeg jets and we'll uh, check in with her and talk about uh, her career and uh, man she was she's a legend in the canadian football league for the work she does on the sidelines so we'll check in with sarah from winnipeg a little bit uh, later on let's right now though talk about saturday the weather was spectacular saturday night the crowd was good almost 27,000 at commonwealth stadium biggest crowd of the season the stage was set for what could have been a real good night Unfortunately, the rest of the night was the same as a lot of other nights we've seen this year. A loss. 14th straight at home, extending a franchise record and tying a CFL record for most consecutive losses on home field. A record that was set back in the late 1980s by the Ottawa Rough Riders. Uh, the loss was the ninth straight to a Western Division team and the 10th of the season. Third straight season, the double E have hit double digits in losses. This one felt a little bit different it didn't seem to have as much positivity to it as other losses have had you had to dig a little deeper to find the positive thought side of things outside of the play of receiver dylan mitchell and running back kevin brown there wasn't a whole lot to harp about in this one uh, more on those two later but first uh, Chris Jones and his thoughts post game after the loss to the Calgary Stampeders. First of all, you got you know hats off to uh, Dave and his staff and the football team in Calgary. They've got an awful good football team. And when you make mistakes like we did in the first half, took a lot of wind out of our sails. And uh, you know, with the exception of the two plays uh, defensively, we played pretty good. But once we came back out of the locker room, that uh, it just took a lot of wind out of our sails, and we didn't do anything defensively in the second half to resemble playing football. Uh, can you talk about the the two time count uh, that you got called against because they both end up leading to touchdowns in one form or another with the pick six and yeah then, and I mean that's I mean that's inexcusable I mean we uh, we're coming we're coming off the sideline and for us to take a time count I mean we we have the time clock going on every single play in practice and for us not to be able to execute that I mean that's totally on the coaching staff did you see anything different tonight than you've seen in other games that have kind of followed the similar pattern this year no we 
we just did not, uh, you know, we, in fact, it was the worst, uh, the worst outing that we've had defensively. I thought we tackled very poorly. We didn't compete in the second half. Um, you know, and, and like I said, we're going to evaluate this film very closely. We're going to look at it and we're going to find out the people that want to be here and the ones that don't. Your uh, contributions on offense lately from, uh, you know, even Taylor Cornelius, I think, has kind of taken the step forward. But, you know, you look at Kevin Brown again, it's like he had a good first outing. Can he do it again? Well, I think he probably raised the bar. Dylan Mitchell did. Even Jalen Marshall gets a nice touchdown. But uh, tell me about the offensive performance tonight. It seemed like there was some good things, but there was a couple penalties, especially late in the half, that you probably don't like. Well, that's too inconsistent. I mean, they yeah. start the game off and we get behind the sticks. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's great that we in the second half, when we're down two or three touchdowns, that we put together some drives. But, you know, defenses are going to naturally slough off a little bit. So, um, you got to do that early in the game. You got to come out and establish yourself offensively, keep the football. You can't continually be behind the sticks. Um, you know, and, and like I say, there's, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, there's a couple of good players. I mean, the, the, you know, you saw them as, as much as I did. I mean, there's some good young players that, uh, that just keep showing up and, uh, we're going to put them out there and we're going to, again, we're going to, it's not just this year. We're going to move forward and we're, we're looking at all the way down to whenever, you know, it's not just right now and uh, we need to become uh, we need to be able to take advantage of people's mistakes like Calgary did and and uh, and like I say my hats off to them they're a good football team so I know going forward I know we talked to Ed Ganey earlier and he's extremely frustrated this is a longtime veteran in the league and he's hoping everyone's going to come back and be ready and prepared and be professional when it's time to come back and prepare for Saskatchewan uh, for you and you said we're going to find out who wants to be here and who doesn't does it get easier in that process when you're in this part of the season with five games left? Well, it's pro football. That's what we get. We get paid to coach and not just coach. We get coached, you know, to, we get paid to coach winning football. And so we've got a lot of work to do ourselves as a staff. We need to look in the mirror, number one, uh, in all three phases. And then the players are going to have to do the same thing. Look and look and say, hey, is this really what I want to do as a, as a pro? And uh, because that's what it is. I mean, it's just about buying into a system, buying into, you know, playing hard for the entire time. I mean, again, defensively, the exception of the two big plays, we played decent in the first half uh, other than to bend the, the double move there at the end of the end of the second quarter and then the, the play where we had two guys there and we missed the play. You know, I mean, with the exception of that, we played uh, pretty pretty daggum good football, but in the second half, I mean, we're invisible in the second half defensively. And you just can't do that. You've got to compete for four quarters and all three phases, and that's we've yet to do that as a football team. That's Chris Jones post game with uh, Dave Campbell and myself after the Elks loss to the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, he's been great on our post game shows this year, explaining what he saw compared to what he expected, what went wrong, and what went right. Uh, but he seemed a little more down this time. I don't. I don't think he saw as many positives in this loss as he's seen in other losses. And you heard him a long look at the film to find out who wants to be here and who doesn't. The other thing that I really noticed in that conversation was uh, he kind of referenced next year for the first time and he kind of mentioned kind of referenced that this is a, uh, a a big picture build and he said not just right now but for the future and that's what he's looking for from his players so uh, he's definitely looking ahead to next year uh, by my math which is often incorrect uh, they lose to Saskatchewan on Friday and they are eliminated from playoff contention Dave referenced uh, Ed Ganey in that interview and uh, here's a little bit of uh, what he said about making sure you come back to play and are mentally prepared to play on Friday 
Friday night in Regina, no matter what the situation is? I mean, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, if you love the game like I do, if you, you know, wake up, you know, wanting to play football every day, then, you know, it, it hurts. It cuts deep. Uh, you know, it's starting to, starting to wear, you know, on guys mentally. So, I mean, we just got to stay locked in. You know, come to work every day and realize that, you know, we're here to uh, perform, you know, a professional job. So at the end of the day, we get, we got to come and uh, be pros. Maybe it's an important week, uh, Ed, for the, the veterans and the leaders to make sure everybody, you know, is, is ready to go on Friday night in Regina. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I'm doing whatever I can uh, to, be, to be a vocal leader, you know, lead by example, you know, just to keep the morale of the team up, like you said. Uh, and, you know, we uh, all we can do is control what we can control. You know, try to put some wins together these last five games and see where the chips fall. The Elks will be back on the practice field tomorrow, getting set for Friday's game in Regina. 7.30 start Friday night. We'll have it for you beginning with our coverage at 6 o'clock. And as I mentioned earlier, if my math is correct, it uh, tells me that uh, the very, very slim playoff hopes will be gone if they lose that game to the Riders. Elks are now 3-10. and 10. The Riders also lost both ends of their Labor Day series with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, they also got pounded in the rematch game as well, so neither team will be in a good mood heading into this game. Uh, when we come back, the legend... Sarah Arleski will join us. She said goodbye to the CFL this weekend. We'll check in with her next. Uh, we'll tell you right now that uh, halftime in Seattle, the Seahawks lead the Broncos 17-13 in the Monday nighter. Uh, Geno Smith stealing the show at quarterback for Seattle in Russell Wilson's return to Seattle. More when we come back. I'm Morley Scott. This is the Elks This Week on 630 Chet. Now, more football talk on the Elks This Week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 6.30 Chad. We want to we wanna give you the game ball for today, Sarah. But not just from me, from the organization, everybody. Um, told you yesterday, we're all going to really miss you around here. Uh, the league's going to miss you. You've been incredible. Incredible to me, incredible to my family and everybody. And uh, we love you. Game ball for the organization. Leave it. Now I'm going to cry. Great. I made it this far, Zach. <laughs> Thank Darren for that. <laughs> Thanks so much right. for this. That is Zach Calaris of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers post game on Saturday night, presenting the game ball to our next guest here on the Elks this week, Sarah Orleski. Can I still say Sarah Orleski of TSN? Sarah, as we bring you in and say good evening. <laughs> you get, well, good evening. Really, thanks so much for having me on. No, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the TSN moniker has has left now. It is now uh, Sarah Orleski with the Winnipeg Jets. But listening to that, cl listening to that clip, my goodness, brought all the emotions back for me. It was truly such an incredibly special Saturday. You had a pretty emotional last couple of weeks. I know you were in Calgary for the Labor Day game, and we saw they give you a special, I think it was a signed helmet that they gave you. You got the game ball in Winnipeg. Uh, you, you really got the royal treatment over the last couple of weeks. Pretty emotional, I'm guessing. It was incredibly emotional for it, and I can't thank, I mean, the Riders, the Stampeders, um, and then also the Bombers, obviously, as well, for it all. But till about the end, I, was, I said, I think I've cried so much over the last week and a half, and the emotions going, I don't understand how people, it's funny that someone said that I... I got a message from someone that that was joking that my farewell tour was lasting longer than uh, Derek Jeter's did. So I said that I don't understand how anyone could deal with the emotions of 
of um, of it as long as you know as some athletes do with it when they say goodbye. But the CFL has meant so much to me. Um, I you know I described it on the broadcast as it was obviously it was part of my job, but such a labor of love as well from um, the players, the coaches, the fans, of course, across the country. And it's just it's been such an incredibly large part of my life. I mean, every weekend for you know, six, what is it, six months of the year for 14 years. So it was, it was pretty, it was pretty emotional and, and meant a lot to me that, um, that people responded the way that they did. Yeah, a fixture on the sidelines and on the broadcast. 14 years, I was going to ask you how long. I didn't realize it was that long. I thought it was a little less than that. But, wow, 14 years, that's uh, that's Which incredible. is remarkable because I'm only 30. So, uh, I mean, just <laughs> do the quick math as to how. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, now, how, how tough was it to make the decision and, and fill us in on what you're going to be doing now with the Jets? Um, it was incredibly difficult just because of um, my love for the job that I had at TSN and the people, most importantly, that I had the opportunity to work with. Uh, but, you know, it was a great opportunity. The Jets had approached me about coming on board and I and just the opportunity to do more storytelling with them, I think, that. Um, people are well aware even outside of the Winnipeg market as to how passionate Jets fans are, much like Oilers fans are well or in any Canadian city, but they're very passionate here. And I thought there was a real opportunity to be able to help them, their um, content department grow and to produce even more stuff and really hopefully give people more of um, an inside glimpses to players' lives away from the rink. You know, we always talk about the... Um, the game and the X's and O's of it, but um, to be able to hopefully give people a glimpse that they haven't had of fans or of the players before is what I've come on board to do. So my official title is senior host and producer. Um, so I'll also be hosting and producing the post-game show and a variety of different things on the Winnipeg Jets platform. So I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. Very bittersweet to, uh, sweet to leave because um, I did love what I was doing so much. And most importantly, I love the people that I worked with so much. But it was a great opportunity, and it also keeps me home more. I won't have the same sort of travel that I've had over the last 14 years so we'll find out whether or not my family loves me as much as they think they do <laughs> <laughs> all right uh all right i, I want to ask you about the job you had then uh sideline reporting is not an easy thing to do i, I you know it's easy to to pick up things or not easy but it's it, it's easier to pick up things down there and report them but the interviews i think is where you became uh known for being so good at and that's a fine art because you're interviewing guys who are at uh, the top of their day and the bottom of their day uh sometimes the top of their career and the bottom of their career as well uh, talk about how that's evolved for you over the years, and have you had any tough moments that you really think back on that where you've been interviewing players or coaches, and you're thinking this is this is pretty difficult to do. Well, sometimes, to be honest, the ones that I find most challenging are the ones where players are, I like to describe them as incredibly succinct in their answers. So sometimes when they'll only give you three or four word answers, those can be the ones that I find the most challenging. But I, I think that for me, it was always about, you know, trying to make sure that the player had, you know, just setting them up for it, but not 
not making it too much about the question, if that makes sense, and more about letting them give their answer. Because sometimes I think that, especially in the emotion, the heat of when they're the player that you'd be interviewing going in at the half, I mean, they potentially had come right off the field. And at times we've seen over the years, whether it be with um, myself or there was a really um, – well-known clip with Jermaine Franklin years ago um, with Solomon Alamillion about how the, mm-hmm. he was, you know, he was so emotional going going into the interview. And that's, uh, so that can be the challenge sometimes is when you would deal with a player that's heightened in their emotions at that precise moment. So I always found that it was better to in some ways keep the question um, as simple as possible for it and really let the players take it where they wanted to go and, and try to leave it as open-ended as possible. There's nothing that it sometimes can close off a question more than if you, know, you strictly give them something that can be answered in yes or no fashion because um, at some times those players will take the opportunity to simply answer yes or no. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Uh, all right, a couple of quick ones for you here. I want you to go back over your 14 years. This is a two-part question. Your favorite stadium to work in and your favorite fan base to be uh, involved with? Oh, um, well, I'd have to say that my favorite stadium, I mean, is probably IG Field. Go through. Um I mean, it's one of the newest, <laughs> so that kind of that kind of helps as well from from that standpoint. Um, certainly, the new stadiums are the ones that are that have much more of the amenities. But I'll never forget, you know, the old Winnipeg Stadium. As much the old Winnipeg Stadium, towards its final days, we'd have players come in for sit downs and the ceiling would be leaking if it was raining outside and I used to joke that there'd be little puddles and you'd have all of these um, lights plugged in and and various things and I'd say to the place oh it's just fine <laughs> just don't worry about it yes it's dripping yes your feet are in puddles right now it's, it's all good um, or you know other ones where uh, creatures rodents would come in into <laughs> the dressing room. So I've been known to do the odd interview with sitting cross-legged up on a high stool for it. But the new stadiums, uh, I'd have to say, are probably my favorite. And fan base-wise, I feel as if every fan base, there's something really special about them. So that's my Switzerland answer on it. That, you know, there's obviously there's markets in which there are um, – greater attendance numbers for it. But I think those that follow the CFL are just so passionate about it. And it makes it special. I you know, I had the opportunity to do some touchdown Atlanta games, um, I mean, a number of years ago when they first began. And it's the same thing with Grey Cuts. What I love is that over the years, I've been able to recognize so many passionate fans, regardless of where we are, where I could see a person on the street and go, oh, hey, and I wouldn't know their name necessarily, but I could go, hey, that's a huge Ticats fan. I know that guy, or I'll go and recognize someone I'm going, she's at all the Alouettes games. And I just think that's one of the things that makes this league so incredibly special. And it creates this family-like atmosphere, I think, amongst fan bases um, as well, especially when you go to events like Grey Cups or some of the bigger events. And there's something incredibly special, I think, about each fan base. Any special memories from your trips to Edmonton? Oh, always. Um, Again, I mean, 
fans were great. I've done a lot of really, really bad weather games in Edmonton, so I apologize to Elks fans over the years because I think they might have dreaded seeing me on this island just as much as some of the other markets because I have a number of pictures of me under um you know trying to stay dry underneath the underneath the rain uh, that's been, or trying to take shelter from the rain and i think that that's one of the things that i will always remember but it's when i said about the people it's the security staff that works the recognize it's getting to see the photographers it's um it's just being able to see those familiar faces that i just love and that's what i uh, will remember the most for it but obviously great cups that commonwealth were always special and um but yeah i remember a lot even this year i remember a lot of rain <laughs> yes indeed uh, all right so i know Wait, can you, i can you, i very quickly say chris cuthbert yeah. and glenn Suter used to give me used to always give me a hard time um being on the sidelines and i'd have an umbrella and i would always you know there are no umbrellas in football as I'd look up to them at uh, the Commonwealth, and I'd look up and say, yes. So the two men that are in a dry booth right now, yep. <laughs> as opposed to the one that's being pelted with rain for six hours, of course there are umbrellas in football. Indeed there is. Uh, Sarah, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it. Our cross passed every once in a while in a hallway or on the sidelines over the years, and I uh, always enjoyed seeing you. Hope we get to see you again uh, somewhere down the line. Congratulations on what was a wonderful career, and uh, good luck to you going to the Winnipeg Jets. Thanks so much. It's always been such a, a pleasure, Morley, and I've, I mean, listened to you and uh, and Dave call games for years, and will continue to do so. Big fans of both of yours, and appreciate so much getting the chance to talk to you tonight. Thanks, Sarah. Take care. Sarah Orleski from, uh, well, no longer from TSN, side on reporter, one of the best in the business for sure. That's it for tonight. We've gone a little overtime. Apologize to our studio uh, producer, Kellen Kennedy. Thanks to Sarah for joining us in the show. Next week, by week, I'm off. Dave Campbell will be in the chair for the Elks this week, one week from tonight. I'll see you tomorrow morning on 630 Chet Mornings. Have a good night, everybody.